there was a discussion uh, whether we should hold the class today. As you know, we're fasting today. Uh, today is a fast day, the 17th of, uh, of Tammuz. And, uh, but of course, another opportunity to learn. So she, um, I have somebody who puts out the uh, flyer for me. He says, Torah and tea. I said, no, it's uh, Torah without tea today. <laughs> I told her the flyer heading is Torah without tea. Yeah, so we're, we're not serving any tea today. And, you know, of course, right away is a question comes to mind, what are we going to study today? We're going to study about the Parsha, which we always do, which is the Parsha of Pinchas, that's today's Parsha. Or we're going to talk about the fast day, about Shiva Sarbatamuz, or how we're going to tie it in together. Or we can talk a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But first I want to just start, you know, with, it is a fast day. And then, then we'll see how we'll actually tie in the portion of Pinchas together with the time, with the season, we'll see that actually it's not only we that are doing that, it's actually in all the shuls, that's the way it's been set up. I'll explain to you in a minute. But uh, the, the importance of, of, of getting together uh, on a fast day also, and certainly not uh, diminishing or taking away from a spiritual experience uh, for myself and for the people that participate. I mean, if this is their time that usually they get together to study a little bit, you don't want to take it away because the idea of a of a fast day is not just to fast and and uh, is to do teshuva. It's to uh, actually repent. It's to it's is to do good deeds. It's to strengthen your connection with God. Uh, the reason we fast is because we're mourning the destruction of the temple. The mourning the destruction of the temple, and the mourning of the temple, and. We have to understand, you know, we, we um, I mentioned earlier this morning, the, um, the first wall of Jerusalem and the first base of Migdash, we had two destructions. So the first and the second base of Migdash, or certainly the second base of Migdash, it was uh, breached on the 17th of Tammuz. And for three weeks, until they destroyed the base of Migdash, they burned the base of Migdash. So that was the, that's why we have three weeks starting from 17th of Tammuz till the Tish above, till the ninth day above. And these are three weeks in general. We don't do marriages during these three weeks. We uh, actually, as it goes on, the, the nine days after the three weeks starts the nine days, which means within the three weeks, starting with Rosh Chodesh Av, starts the nine days. Then we don't eat wine, drink wine, we don't eat meat. And there's other restrictions that we avoid you know, being in special joyous situations. And many times I've said it, always in the wrong season of the year, you know, if you had the three weeks in the middle of the snowstorm, it'd be okay. People want to go trips and want to go on the water, want to go swimming, it was so hot and everything else, and right now we have the three weeks. But that's what makes it meaningful. <laughs> Otherwise, it would, if you didn't go swimming, uh, in January, I mean, unless you're jumping into the lake, you know, but uh, most of the time that would uh, would be easy. So, but in any event, so why do we do all this? We because we want to. We fast in the beginning. We open with a fast. We end with a fast because we want to subdue our hearts and we want to put ourselves in the mood of, uh, of 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 returning and becoming closer to Hashem. It's it's a difficult on a full stomach and when you're fully. False. It's a little bit more difficult. It's easier to achieve, but people have to remember, it's not the fasting which is the goal. You have to fast, but the goal is 
to become a little bit more emotionally involved. You should be touched a little bit. You should be wanting to become closer to Hashem. That's the goal of it. So, and of course, one of the things is is to uh, study Torah. So we want to study more Torah. We don't want to study less Torah. We want to do more. So therefore, it would be um, uh, not a good idea to um, cancel a class for that reason. But there's more than that. You know, the uh, the Talmud says, why was the temple destroyed? Why? What did we do that the temple was destroyed? What what did we do wrong? What is the things? So that in the Gemara, there is like a whole discussion, actually. The Gemara says, simple answer, sinaskino. Sinaskino means senseless hatred, just hatred without a reason, so... But the Gemara actually elaborates about this. Uh, the Gemara discusses, it says, the first base Hamigdash, um, you know, was destroyed also. I mean, people, you know, people learn Torah and everything else, but they didn't honor the Torah. It says. But it says that um, Hashem would forgive for everything, even even um, for the other 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 sins, but Hashem would not forgive for the sinas chinam, for the senseless hatred. So it means that the Gemara says it's equal. Sinas chinam is equal to gilu arayis shvichas domin avedizor. Those are the three most serious offenses of illicit relationships, the uh, killing somebody avedizor, but. Sinas Chinam is, in a way, uh, more difficult. You know, Sinas Chinam has a lot of a lot of components to it. Lashon Hara can be part of Sinas Chinam. Uh, Bad mouthing somebody. There's various different things. But one of the ways to fix this, the Rebbe says, is by showing senseless love. Senseless love is to just to love people without a reason. You know, even if you don't have a reason. To give people that you don't have a reason to share with people, do things to counter the negative, do things in a non-logical uh, way, and uh, one of the things of of, of 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 importance is to show a class where you get together different people to take time off from things that they're doing and everybody's busy with their things, and getting together. This is a demonstration of also of love, of connection, of getting together, of doing things together, especially getting together to learn Torah together. So I think that this has the uh, ingredient to offset some of the negative, to counter the negative things of this day that we're fasting for in a positive way, is to get together. So not only to learn Torah, but to learn Torah by getting together. So that's why it's very important that we're here. Yeah? Aren't there certain days of morning where you're not allowed to learn Torah? Yeah, well, the only is Tisha is a day also, but and it also says, <laughs> yeah, that's right. another, okay, that's not in the same category, though, as, as Tisha B'Av. Um, but also, even then, too, even, even, no, only Tisha B'Av. And the reason why we don't study on Tisha B'Av is because, uh, the words of Torah are considered making you happy, and yeah, you don't right. want to be rejoicing in them. But there is no uh, today. Uh, it's different with the fast of Shivas of the Tammuz. There's nothing about 
not being, and we can't have music for the three weeks, but it's not nothing about, uh, it's not like a tish about the, the fasting. Uh, even though the Shulchan Aruch says if people want to be stringent in some things like Tisha B'Av, some people do that, but we, we don't actually practice. But certainly, not taking away time from learning. Can yeah? you explain the fasting? Like, you're not eating at all for how many days? Just one day. What? Just one day. Just so one day. today, just, just today. Just today, just today. So Maybe you see my voice is not as uh, strong, it's because I'm fasting today. Yeah. So the rest of the three weeks no, you eat, you're, you're, you just don't have, I, I, you don't have music, you don't have festivities. Right. And the nine days, you also don't have meat or wine. Nine days. That's, except, that's, for that's, that's, except for Shabbat. Yeah, that's nine days. That's starting, uh, starting from Rosh Chodesh, which will be, uh, so minus, is 20, it's a total of 21 days. It's three weeks three weeks, so it's 21 days, so the last nine days is um, we don't have a meat or wine either, it gets more we don't take haircuts during this uh, three weeks also as well uh, and um, so nine, nine, during the nine days it gets a little bit more strict days. what? nine days it's it gets during the nine days. Yeah, bathing uh, for pleasure is, is also not done in the nine days uh, bathing, bathing in the water uh, uh, boating, things like that. People stay away. It's considered a dangerous time in the nine days. You know. If you have a child bursting in this three week, um, but what do you do usually? Without without music, it's okay. We have. Yeah. yeah. My daughter was holding at the beginning of the nine days. But my daughter went three first to eight, eight up. Yeah. Oh wow. She was. She was. And when, yeah, eighth up is the one day before Tisha B'av. Oh, her birthday. Her yeah. birthday. My son-in-law's birthday is on the ninth of up. What? So you don't have cake? After the fast. After the fast, you'll have a cake. Sorry, today is my son Benjamin's birthday. So we celebrated in English, which was yesterday. It was very close this year. Sinas Chinom, I said? Sinas Chinom means senseless hatred. It means hating people without a reason. Yeah, just, you know, like anti-Semitism, you know? We didn't do anything to them. Uh, what it means, we're talking about your fellow fellow Jew, even amongst Jews. So we did something wrong. Funny. Okay. Like if we stopped to exist, it would be over anti Semitism. Okay, so this is the reason I just wanted to do an introduction. But today I want to get a little bit talking a little bit about the Parsha, the Parsha Pinchas, and also the time of the year. Uh, something very interesting is that, you know, in the Torah, we have the Torah reading. When you go to shul, you hear the Torah reading, and then you have the Haftorah. How does the Haftorah come? What is the Torah? What, what, is, what is the Torah reading of Torah? The Torah was, was introduced by Moshe Rabbeinu, that to read, that we have to read every, every Shabbos, we read the Parsha. And also, Monday and Thursday, so we don't have three days without Torah, so we're always reading from the Torah. But that was the Parsha. How did we get the Haftorah? There was a time when the... Um, Fortunately, they didn't allow the Jewish people to, to read from the Torah. So, it was, so they found uh, parts of the prophet. They, they allowed them. They just didn't want them to study. They didn't allow the Goyim. They didn't allow the Yidin to study the Torah. So it was, uh, they had no choice. 
So they found something in the prophets which relates to the parsha, and they read that instead. So they used to read from the prophets instead of reading from the Torah. After, fortunately, Baruch Hashem, the decree of the Goyim has stopped. And we couldn't once again read the Torah, but we didn't stop from that custom. We still read from the Torah as well. That's why we read the Torah. That's why you'll notice in Shul, after you finish the entire reading, right? You say, I have a Kaddish. And then you call up somebody to do the Haftorah, and he gets a re- he rereads a small portion. The Maftir is a small portion of the Torah. He rereads again, because you don't want to insult him. Just give him, yeah, you know, a person's gonna feel insulted. They're only reading from the prophets, not from the Torah. But on the other hand, you don't want to give the one who reads the Torah to read from the prophet because that would be taken away from the seven aliyahs that we have to give for the Torah for the Shabbos. That was the institution. So the compromise is that you do the whole Torah, you say Kaddish, so that means you finish the Torah reading, you call him up, you give him a little piece to read, to reread from the Torah, and then he goes to the prophets, and then he reads after the prophets. So therefore, whenever you look at the prophets that we read, you'll see that there is a connection between the Haftorah, that's the, from the prophets, and the Torah portion that you read that week, there is a connection. Most of the time, the connection is very open. So, sort of, as for example, when we're reading the uh, portion of B'Shalach uh, that the uh, that the people went through with the spies, also that's in by the Meraglim, we'll read with the spies, with the story with Yeshua, or by the Shira, we'll read the Shira of of of, of, of Devora, or uh, so. There and then the other Shira. Sometimes, you know, depending on B'Shalach and on Shvisha but. We're saying most of the parshas that you will find, you'll find there's a, a very open, direct connection between them. But there's an exception to that, to this rule, and the exception is these ten weeks. Starting with today, with this Shabbos, I say today, I mean this Shabbos, till Rosh Hashanah. Every year, that's the same thing. We know that there are ten, week, there are ten weeks from uh, Tisha B'Av, or from before, from Shiva Sobetamos, from Shiva Sabatamus till Rosh Hashanah, if you're getting worried about Rosh Hashanah, I'm telling you right now, there's 10 Shabbosim. There's 10 weeks. 10 weeks. Uh, wedding is a week before. I know. So that's only nine weeks to the wedding. So there's only, so you know there's 10 weeks. And let me tell you what there are. There's only 10, 10 weeks. There's 10 readings of the Torah. And that's why there's also actually a difference. Like the last two Sedra. Of the portion of Bamid of the Chumash of Bamidbar are called Matos and Masay. Sometimes Matos and Masay are together. Sometimes Matos and Masay are separate. So which means we read them two separate weeks. When Matos and Masay are separate, so the first week of the three weeks, then that means that the Shivasa Batamus is in the week of Matos. So then Matos gets the first Aliyah. Uh, Masa gets the second Aliyah, the second uh, prophet, and uh, Devarim gets the third one. They're called Gimel de Puranusa. Those are the three Haftoris that talk about punishment. They talk, talk about the punishment of during the three weeks. We read the three prophets that talk about the rebuke and the punishment that's going to come to the Jewish people. They're always read on the three weeks between Shavasa Batamus and Tishabav. So, this year, for example, because, and that depends on the whole schedule, uh, Matis and Masi are together. 
So because Matis and Masih are together, so we're going to read the first Haftorah of the three. They're called, again, the three are the chunk, Gimel de Poronusa. Those three, the first one of the three is going to be read this Shabbos of Pilchas. And next Shabbos is going to be Matis and Masih together. We're going to read the second one. And the Parsha Devorim is always going to be the third one. Devorim always comes, the, fourth, the beginning of the book of Devorim, always comes before Tishabov. Even if Tishabov comes on Shabbos and the Shabbos is pushed off and Tishabov comes on Sunday, we will still read the Shabbos before. We'll read the Varim. That's going to be the Shabbos, the Tabbos, then you're going to push it off. It's always like that. Following the three weeks of punishment, the Gimel de Poronuso, there is the Shiva de Nechemto. Then there are seven weeks of comfort. We read in the Prophets seven Haftoris. We read uh, that talk about the comfort, how Shem is comforting the Jewish people, okay? And those lead you up all the way to Rosh Hashanah, that lead up to Rosh Hashanah. So you have three and seven, that's what it is. But what's interesting about it is that these Haftoris don't seem to have any connection to the, to the parasha, to the Torah portion. They're not set on the Torah portion. They're set by the time of the year. We read them the ten weeks before Rosh Hashanah, three and seven, so it doesn't, they weren't placed, we didn't choose Haftorah that have a connection to the Parsha, but we chose them because this is the time of the season of the year. Just like a lot of people, when they first start out, they go to Shul, they look at the Chumash, and they're looking, you know, in the middle of uh, uh, whatever, we're in the middle of the winter, and we're studying uh, about Pesach. So they say, well, it's not Pesach. Why are we studying about Pesach? Tell them the Chumash just goes week, week after week doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with the time of the year. The Chumash is divided that once a year you read each portion, or sometimes the two together, but by Simchas Torah, we finish and we start again. That's the way it goes. Throughout every year, we read the Torah, the whole entire Torah. But the Haftorahs, usually, most of the week, they go connected to the Parsha. Very easy to find the connection between the Parsha and, and the Haftorah. But these seven, these ten weeks, the three and ten, they doesn't seem to have a connection because they're not based on a connection to the parsha. They're based at the time of the year. Like I said, the the the, the, the haftorah of this week, the first one of the uh, three, the Puranusa is called Divrei Yirmiyahu. That's the way it begins. The words, this is the words of Yirmiyahu. Now Divrei Yirmiyahu, sometimes it's read in the portion of Pinchas. And sometimes it's read in the portion of Matos, depending if it's the beginning of the three weeks. So this year it's going to be by Pinchas. Another year it's going to be by Matos. So if somebody's going to ask you, is there a connection between Divri Yirmiyahu and the portion of Pinchas, you'll say, no, it's not connected to the portion of Pinchas. But the Rebbe says, yes. The Rebbe says it can't be. There's no such a thing as a coincidence. So, okay, you know, this year we're reading it Divrei Yirmiyo next to the portion of Pinchas. There must be an inherent, a deep connection over there. Because while the revealed open reason may be something else, but if we search strong enough and we look into the matter, we'll be able to discover some really beautiful insight and see how the Haftorah and the Torah portion are actually connected together. And we can learn out a, a tremendous, tremendous lesson from this. Now, there are superficial connections that one can find, very superficial. 
By the way, the first thing, what does Divrei Yirmiyahu talk about? It talks about, strangely enough, just talking about how Yirmiyahu became a prophet. It talks about how he became a prophet. It talks about how he refused. He says, I'm merely not a He says, I'm merely a lad. I'm a youngster. I, Hashem says to him, I want you to become a prophet. I want you to prophesy, and you will prophesy. You'll be in charge of the nations, and you will tell them what to do and what to happen. And he exclaims and he says, I can't do it because I'm a nobody, basically. And how can I go ahead and be an agent of Hashem to relate God's message to other people? And Hashem says to him, don't say that I'm your lad. Wherever I sent you, you will go and you will be successful. And Rebbe learns tremendous insight from this portion. I mean, I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but the Rebbe learns tremendous uh, uh, encouragement that we have uh, from a lot of times people think that they're not able to do certain things that they are uh, sort of uh, limited by their experience, by their knowledge, by their uh, lineage. The Rebbe brings down and the superficial level we started to talk about, it seems like uh, Yirmiya and which and Pilchas, they both had some problems in their family lineage. They came, they came, they had some problems. They were actually degraded by the rest of the Jewish community. They were degrading them. They had some blemish over there, or sort of thinking. So, what is the story that we read in the Torah? Pinchas stood up out of the whole community. They were all bunch of learned, great rabbis, tzaddikim, holy people, and nobody's doing anything. And Pilchas was just a, an ordinary guy there. And Pilchas went and he took a stand. He took action. He took a stand. He actually moved the Jewish people. He did something which actually caused the Jewish people to return to Hashem. He did a very violent act. But it was an act that sort of touched everybody and it brought him. The Rebbe points out, he says, it says, It was amongst them, he touched the Jews, he was able to impact. It wasn't just that he acted in a, in a, in a vigilante sort of way, but he was able to cause and bring about to stop the plague. He saved the Jewish people by that. But what did the Jewish people say? Pechas, who are you? You're, you shouldn't be doing anything of this because who was your grandfather? Who do you think you are? Who was your great-grandfather? It turns out that his great-grandfather, his lineage wasn't such a... He didn't have such a beautiful background over there some generations back. As the Gemara said, they actually came from a non-Jewish background. They all came. They converted, but they came from a non-Jewish background. Yisro's daughter. Yes, it comes from the children of Yisrael, from Yisbaspatil. It's not exactly which, which exactly. It's the seed. It depends on the Gemara. There's various opinions, but anyway, his lineage he took from Yisrael. He says, "Your grandfather was involved with such terrible things, and you are going to kill because Pinchas killed a leader of Israel, a prince in Israel. He killed the Shimon, uh, the, the, the people of the tribe. They wanted to kill him, they, they, but." 
Not only that, all the people saying, who are you anyways? I mean, why are you getting up? It's not your place. You should not do anything like that. You are not now in a position to take a stand when everybody else... So they were degrading him. So he was being degraded because... What does Hashem say? Pinchas ben Elazar ben Arin HaKoyhen. No, he has a very good Choshev lineage. He's a very important... He comes from a very important... He comes from a coin. Don't degrade him. You know, you're wrong. Same thing we find with Yermia. The Gemara says that Yermia also come. He was actually uh, descended from Rachov. Rachov was the woman who saved the tribes and they converted later on when the uh, Jewish people, when they came to conquer Yerichoi and she hid them, Kolovim and, and Pilchas was, 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 over, was over there. So it says that, I don't know exactly how there was some sort of Yirmiya later on. This was the story with Pilchas. Huh? She married him? I'm not sure what the Medrash there says. Oh, she married Yeshua later. Yeah, she did marry Yeshua. And as a descendant of Eridon, so eventually it came out, you know, Yirmiya came out. So it was also said it was degrading, but it also comes. So that is a connection between. So bringing it out back to the, uh, to the end. So, a lot of times we feel, who are we? You know, I mean, we're degraded. You know, we're we're nobodies. I mean, how could we do? How could we stand up? How could we make a difference? How could we sort of make a difference in our own lives, ourselves, or change the world, change anybody else? Kinara noichi. I'm just a lad. I'm just a youngster. I'm a nobody. How could I? Where do I get the power from? It? And Shem says, don't say that. Kibitzerem. Hashem says to him, you should know that you as a Jew possess, before you were born in this world, you have a soul, a holy soul, which comes that comes even before you were formed in this world. You don't start in this world. You start from much higher places. You come from much higher. Your soul that you possess comes from a very high place. Even still, while you were in your mother's womb, we know that everybody has studied the Torah. The Torah that they study is given to them at the time before they were born. Now, a malach comes before you're born and makes you forget the Torah. But still, that Torah that you learned in your mother's womb, that still is with you. Shem says, that power you have. But how do you have the power now? Hashem says, I'm giving you power now. It fits very beautifully in the words. When you read the words of Torah, you'll hear the Shabbos and Mitzvah Shem, and you listen to the words in the translation, you'll see how the Eibishter says, it's, I've given you in the past, you have the energy, and I give you now. You have the ability, and you have the Kayach. The only thing is, you've got to put your mind to it. And then you will be successful. You can do it for yourself. You can do it for your world. You can do it for your portion of the world. You have the kirch. Don't despair. So the Rebbe says, so one can say that there is a connection over here. Well, both Yirmiya and Pinchas come from sort of questionable lineage or whatever. They didn't have such a uh, background. And on top of that, they were both being degraded over there too. So Bimela. But the Rebbe says there has to be more to it. We have to find a deeper connection, something about that. And um, the Rebbe goes into a very lengthy, very interesting uh, explanation. Uh, it's, it's, um, we know 
what was the main thing that Hashem was excited about what Pinchas did? What was Hashem's? What was Pinchas? What did he do? Was it that he killed somebody? No. But and he saved the Jewish people because the Torah just says, like, and by the way, when he took action. But the Torah says. What was the main? What was the main thing? Is as bnei I did not destroy the Jewish people in my anger. as I'm going to give him my peace of my covenant of peace. should be to him and his seed following him, an eternal covenant of priesthood for him and his children. So he got Hashem's blessing. How? Because he protected the Jewish people. But wait a minute. Moshe Rabbeinu has been protecting the Jewish people all along. What happened so many times in the past, God? And look what happens to Moshe Rabbeinu. It's so sad. Because Moshe Rabbeinu, before his passing, he pleads to God, he says to Hashem, Yifkoid Hashem haruchas. Let Hashem appoint the man of all spirits. Ish al ha'eda, a man to lead the community. Rashi says he had in mind. Who did he have in mind? He had in mind his own children. He wanted that his children, that after his demise, he wanted his children should take his place. So when he was asking Hashem, even though it's not articulated in the Chumash, he's asking Hashem, appoint somebody, but he had in mind that he wanted his children to be the ones that follow him. And Hashem said to him, Neitzer, that the one who watches the fig, the one who, Yeshua, Yeshua, he was the one that stands with Moshe Rabbeinu all the time, he served Moshe Rabbeinu, he is the one that is going to be the leader, he is the one that is going, the Shem appointed him, not the children of Moshe Rabbeinu. So here Moshe Rabbeinu, here we see in the Chomish that Pinchas for saving the Jewish people now from the plague, earns something for himself and his children for eternal for priesthood. And Moshe Rabbeinu, on the other hand, is begging Hashem for his children. Hashem says, no, where is justice? I mean, how, how, how could it be? How do we understand it? What is it that Pinchas did for the Jewish people that Moshe did not do for the Jewish people? But you see, there's a difference, the Rebbe says. Again, I'm giving you just bits and pieces. The Rebbe articulates everything and everything else. But uh, there's a difference between Moshe Rabbeinu mainly prayed for the Jews. What did Moshe Rabbeinu do? Moshe Rabbeinu prayed and he begged Hashem to forgive them. But Pinchas actually endangered his life. Pirchus actually endangered his life. That he almost lost his life. As the Gemara says in the Medrash tells us that the tribe of Shimon actually wanted to kill him. He physically. So basically what it means is Moshe Rabbeinu mainly served his service to Hashem what with his soul. Pinchus was with his body, physically, with his goof, with his body. You see, in life we also have uh, two general services of Hashem. It could be a service, one likes to sit and study Torah, 
one likes to sit and pray, say Tehillim, one likes to even sit and do mitzvahs all the time, that's all spiritual things, those are holy things, holy matters that you deal with. But then, there is also, you live in a physical world, you live in a physical world, you've got to go out and take care, you have the physical needs, you've got to take care of yourself, of your physical health, you have to take care of your home, you have to take care of your family, you have to take care of the children, you have to take care of the financials, there's just a whole lot of things that you have to take care of. And, you know, a lot of times, people feel more comfortable just dealing with the spiritual parts of life, with the uh, neshama of life, with the soul of life, but not with the mundane things. I don't bother with the mundane things. What happens, though, is, or the same thing is in, 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 in the Rebbe says, that some people, uh, they only want to deal with people that are righteous people, they want to deal with good people, they want to be in a sheltered environment, they want to only, everything should be given to them beautiful, but they don't want to deal with, with people that are far away. Now, here you have people that are actually degrading Pimchas, they're not only, you know, he has to deal with a lot of with threats over there. This, this, is, this is the real, real the tough thing. So people, the Rebbe says, because Hashem brought us in this world, if you only deal with matters of the soul, and sometimes it's inevitable that you're going to have to bump into and deal with physical matters, you're not going to know how to deal with them. Then they're going to sort of throw you totally off. If you're going to just dive and learn and you're going to do this, that, just be holy, and you're not going to bring Hashem into physical worlds also, that may sometimes backfire. When we try to service with ourselves, service with others, there's two approaches. There's one approach of bringing light, bringing in the soul. Moshe Rabbeinu was job, he was from above to below. He brought us the Torah. He taught us. If you bring light, the darkness disappears. But you don't change the darkness itself. You haven't gone to the darkness. You, the darkness ran away. So when you bring in positive, when you're disciplining, when you're teaching, when you're doing, when you're trying to impact, if you bring in so much, so... You have a misbehaving child. You know, talk to teachers who have a child doesn't want to listen. A lot of times because they're bored. So what is the way? What is the way to keep them to focus? They can't focus. Keep on bombarding them with more ideas. So you're bringing light to them. So they're busy with the light. They don't have time. They're so preoccupied in trying to learn and to figure out because you challenge them the whole time to learn something. Their mind is challenged. They don't have time to misbehave because there's light here. So there's light here. So there's no time for everything else. But guess what? As soon you haven't changed them around, you haven't taught them the tools, you haven't given them the means how to deal with their issues. Their issues are still there. You haven't changed them around. They have stayed the way they were before, but you have just kept them busy with something else so right now they're not acting up eventually they'll act they can act up again when the torah was given it says matan torah that moshe Rabbeinu gave us it says that at that time we were like perfect tzaddikim all of our zuham all of our bad everything disappeared 
But guess what? Then we made the eagle. How did we make the eagle? We were such tzaddikim. Because it was all forced upon us. We came. There was a lot of light. The Jewish people, their nature didn't change that much at that time. It took, they didn't really yet fully, it was there, but they hadn't yet uh, really changed around. So that's why after that, it can go back. Moshe Rabbeinu gave light, gave them, occupied them, and gave them the holiness that they needed. And when Moshe Rabbeinu prayed, he prayed to Hashem. Hashem forgave them. Did they really turn around, the Jewish people? No. Now, I like to tell this joke about this fellow. He used to come to the restaurant and uh, to the bar and he used to drink and he'd go crazy. But he felt bad that he went crazy. Uh, uh, he used to break things and everything else. But he was a, well, then when he sobered up, he felt really bad about what he did. So he, he apologized a million times. He says, I'm so, 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 so sorry for what I did. You know, I can't believe that I behaved like that, you know, when, when I was... And he always like that. He was a good guy, but he got drunk. He, he went with sugar. So he was... Finally, the bartender says, look, I'm not going to accept your apologies anymore. You have to go to a, to a rehab. You have to go to a uh, center to treat you for your, for your alcohol. And, uh, okay. He says, I need a note, a year that you went through, you passed the course, okay? So he's, he goes, uh, the, a year later he comes back, he shows the, the bartender the, 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 the note, he gives him, and he says, uh, he takes a drink, and he goes crazy again. He said, didn't you go to, uh, to rehab? Didn't you study? He says, yes. They taught me there, I shouldn't feel guilty about what I did. <laughs> they didn't tell him not what to drink. So, you know, if you don't teach... If you don't teach the person to change their ways from the inside, you don't heal the actual uh, cause, the reason over there. You, you didn't get through. You're just cementing it over. You're just giving, yes, you can accomplish temporarily. It's not a permanent fix. It's only a temporary fix for the time that it lasts. But as soon as it goes away, the person is up again and he's back to their old ways. Moshe Rabbeinu's work with the Yidin was mainly his soul. And therefore, that could not last through. But when Pinchas, Pinchas's main service was with the goof, with the body. He was a little guy. He was like a very small, he was not a, not, not such a, but he helped the Yidin to change around themselves. He helped them. He brought about, he protected the Yidden, not by asking Hashem to forgive them, but by helping them change their ways so that they should be forgiven by Hashem, that they should go ahead and forgive. The Rebbe draws the parallel to the times of Yirmiya and Yeshaya. That's the connection between Yirmiya. If you see Yirmiya and Yeshaya, uh, you see... Yirmiya was in a time of, of exile, a time of downtime. You know, in, the, in life, in history, there are good times and there's difficult times. There's times when the Beis Hamikdash is there, when we don't mourn, when we're joyful. You know, working with the soul in those days is easy. Yeshaya Hanavi was a prophet, even though he was in exile, but he was all prophesizing 
How do you get the people to return? So there's two, two ways. You can either emphasize to the person and say to them, if you will be good, everything good. You'll get the ice cream. If you're going to do the right thing, you get that. Or you can say to them, if you're not going to be good, you're going to lose your recess. So you're not going to say, you can either. Yeshaya was more like, the prophet Yeshaya was more like promising them. He was kula nechemta. He was promising them that the good things will come to them when they will do good, when they'll do tshuva. It was like Hasidus teaches. <laughs> he told them, only the positive. Yirmiya was like Musar. He was telling them that if you're going to be bad, the base English is going to be destroyed. And it's my words, not Rebbe's words. But Yirmiya was taking them from their level. Yirmiya was saying to them, can't infuse you just from the top. There's a times when you have to sort of dig in with yourself. You can't just have the outside change you. You can't just have the light. You have to work and turn yourself around and work from the inside. Yirmiya and Pinchas, they were both challenged from within, from themselves. They had to sort of... Their lineage wasn't such a great lineage. They couldn't fall back and say, hey, this one is going to bail me out. This one was a nice, nice guy. They needed to work with themselves. They needed to make mention out of themselves. They needed to become their greatness. They had to work very hard, refine themselves, sort themselves up, elevate themselves, both Pinchas and, and Yirmiyo, and bring about in themselves, in the world, in all other people, to bring about that level of purification, of sanctification, to raise themselves from their levels and to turn to Hashem from the levels where they are. That is a permanent change. That change, when you actually change yourself around so that you become different, not because you're inspired by somebody else, it's not because the teacher is keeping you busy, but you have learned how to handle yourself, how to work things out, that is going to be a permanent change. The Yirmitz brought down in the Medrash that this that Pinchas forgives for the Yidden is something that lasts forever. Till today, Pinchas is forgiving for the Yidden. It's a lasting, it's a change that takes place in you. You change your habits. Like they tell you, dieting is the life-changing habit. You have to change your habit. You have to change what you do. You can't just from the outside I'm not going to eat this today, not going to eat that today from the outside. You have to sort of, it has to come if you want it to be lasting. Because otherwise it's like some of us who start and fail, start and fail. Because it's from the outside, it's from a light. It's like for Moshe Rabbein, it's from the neshama, it's from the or, it's not from the goof. It's not from us, it's not from me. It has to come from in you and from in there. Then you can actually change around. But this is what the Rebbe says. We live in a time today which is a dark world. It's a dark world out there. And sometimes we're afraid to tackle this world. And sometimes we sort of almost give up hope and we say, you know, we can't do it. That's where the Rebbe says, that's where the Haftorah starts with. It tells us, listen, these guys didn't have no lineage. No, this is, Shem tells you, you have the greatest lineage. Don't look at any of these other things. You come, you have a neshama, Hashem is with you. You have the power. Don't worry. Anything I send you, you can accomplish. Shem sends the neshama and the goof to us here. Gives us a mission for each one, for our families, for our homes, for our community, for our environment. We have the power. We can make the difference. We can make the change. Hashem says, Itcha oni, 
and we should actually be able to accomplish that we take these days of mourning and we turn them into simcha and joy because this is ultimately the goal of taking the days of mourning and making them days of sasa and v'simcha.